Hi, this is Nikki from Motherhood Unfiltered is going to be okay. You're listening to another podcast episode. If you like the podcast and the episode, please write a review, share with a friend, or leave a comment. You can also visit my website at www.nikkiasherbowling.com or you can visit my YouTube channel. Thank you and enjoy a new episode from Motherhood Unfiltered is going to be okay. Hello everybody, this is Nikki from Motherhood Unfiltered is going to be okay. And today I have Elizabeth Lewis on the line and she has worked with high performers, professional athletes, corporate, private and small business powerhouses and innovation driven entrepreneurs, helping them master their mindset, increase their cognitive awareness, achieve peak performance while strategically building a multiple figure business. So you're thinking, how does this go along with motherhood unfiltered? Well, you're going to find out. So just hang tight. But before I bring her on, I just want to remind you that if you're listening on the podcast to go out to Spotify or Apple iTunes and rate and review the podcast, if you're watching on YouTube, and also just to let you know, um, our my videos are uploaded to Rumble in case you're uh, one of those people that likes to watch out there. Um, but it won't, I think it's like it uploads a few days later. So because it's synced in with YouTube. So, um, but it will be out there. So if you're watching, please comment, like, and subscribe if you've already done that because you're awesome then share it with somebody that you love so and if you don't love anybody find somebody to love and share it with them so without further ado here is elizabeth hi hi elizabeth (laughs) i'm so glad you're here with me today um you're really energetic and um and funny so i know that we're gonna Have a great conversation. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Yes, I had so much fun talking with you backstage and uh, love how aligned we are in our thinking and that we're both feisty. Um, so I look forward to this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know we'll have fun, but it could get us in some trouble. <laughs> well. So, so tell us, you know, your backstory and how and what you're doing now. Um, it seems like you're addicted to learning new things because it seems like you're, <laughs> how many degrees you're working on now? <laughs> I'm wrapping up my third uh, degree, second <laughs> master's. And it's funny you say that because I'm going to be hopefully starting my my MBA at the end of this year. I don't have kids. So I just decided like, I'll. Well, that's I'll good. I mean, because you've got time to do that. But yeah. I'm thinking, you know, Elizabeth might be ready to settle down in her 90s or something, you know. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, Sarah from the Bible had a baby at 90 or something. So I guess yeah. it's possible. I mean, it sounds pretty torturous to me. But, you know, whatever God wants, I guess. <laughs> 
I could not imagine that happening. I mean, I know it was different back then because, you know, they're more um, physical and more they I mean, she'd have to be in some shape. I don't know. But I'm like, dear God, please don't do that to me. <laughs> Look, I'm 33 and I'm like, dear God, please don't give me kids now. That's just me. Um, I mean, I know people have kids on the show. If you have a kid like that is awesome. Respect, because let's be real. Usually the women do most of the work and the men are just so great at being another child to take care of sometimes. Um, but we'll see what the what the future holds. <laughs> yeah. Well, if that happens, we are definitely having another conversation about that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, currently my uh, my person I'm with can't have kids, so we'll see. We'll see. Oh. <laughs> it does change. That would be an interesting conversation. Okay, Elizabeth. Now, how did this happen? Right. I swear, God did it. <laughs> Well, there's a 1% chance because he has a vasectomy. So I'll just yeah. say it. And there's a 1% chance apparently of getting pregnant when someone has a vasectomy. And I'm like, well, if I get pregnant, then God's just really going to want to have had that child. And maybe then my heart will change. Um, not that I, like, I started nannying and babysitting when I was 10 years old. Yeah. I've been a caretaker since I was eight years old. Yeah. So I've just, I've done the duties of taking care of kids, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I was the oldest of five. Ooh. And, um, yeah, so I was the designated babysitter yeah. <laughs> for everything. Yes. yes. So, and then when my mom would go out with her friends, I even watched the my uh, her her friends' kids. Yes. You know, I'm like, can I just play with my baby dolls? <laughs> right. Right. Like, nope. <laughs> I have a niece who's six months, and I love playing with her, and I love giving her back to mom. But I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to be your favorite niece. I'll pay for your college. <laughs> I'll just take care of you and then I'll go home and do what I need to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's like grandparenting. So, yes. um, and I love it when my granddaughter comes to visit because I will just do, I, well, I, I try to remember there's rules that my son has put in place. <laughs> so, you know, but it's just so much fun because after 24 hours, I'm like, when are you getting here? <laughs> <laughs> Right. Right. Um, and not just for me, but she like she's ready to go home, you know, right. even though she's having fun and everything. But, you know, there's a time and place for everything. So tell so tell us your history here. I mean, I know yeah. we, you know, giggled about the, the many degrees that you're working on. But what are your degrees? You know, what are they and how are you applying them to what we're going to talk about? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, my bachelor's is in television producing. Um, I became a professional model at age 15 and worked in the media world. And as I was graduating, I was like, I am done with this because I, I'm sorry, like TV to me is one of the most corrupt things you could expose yourself to. The yes. the brainwashing, the subliminal messaging. Um, I mean, but how, how did you so I mean, you graduate and you're like, I'm not I can't do this. This is this yeah. is just all messed up. I mean, this did your mom was like, no, you're not going to do this anymore. Or was this, I mean, how did you have the intuition to know that this is going to be awful if I stay in this? Why well, done it? I mean, I graduated with my undergraduate a little later than the average person. I was 24 when I graduated. Okay. Um, and I had done it for 10 years at that point. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately in, in, in production TV film world, if you're really good at like getting lunch or doing some of the, I don't want to cuss, but like the female dog work is like, we kind of put that under. 
Um, the menial task. <laughs> yes, there you go. Um, better way of saying it. Um, you have a hard time leaving. And um, yeah. so my my brother tried killing me, like literally m- all of my childhood. And so I wanted to get mental freedom because I was struggling with um, what's what's known as complex PTSD, complex post-traumatic yeah. stress disorder, which is not a little bit, it's a little bit more severe than PTSD just because it's been chronic, uh, yeah. if you will. And I right. wanted to get free from that. And um, I was just starting to walk with God really closely because I was mm-hmm. at a point where I was like, well, I'm not doing anything right. So I'll just give you a year. <laughs> and if you don't change my life, then peace out. Um, well, he, he did change my my life. And I just remember at this point being like, I it was just something in my heart that said, I didn't want to look Jesus in the eyes and be a, a, the reason to why yeah. our, our world is going further down the drain the toilet um, yeah <laughs> and so i just shifted but it's funny because i got my second or i got my first master masters in positive psychology with a subspecialty in coaching psychology yeah. not to do this for a living to fix myself <laughs> because this sounds super egotistical but i had gone to therapists after therapist since i was 11 years old yeah. and um a lot of them were like oh my god you had such a horrible childhood and it's like well thanks like i lived it like no no crap i'm yeah. aware like, what yeah. are the tools to change? And no one could really tell me the application of how to change. And so um, I decided to get my my own master's to just fix me and like learn so I could oh heal. And it just turned out I was just naturally good at it. And my professors yeah. were giving me the overflow of their um, coaching clients. Right. And so I just started doing it and I fell in love with neuroscience and neurobiology. Wow. And I just used myself as the guinea pig. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we live in a very red tape world. And then I was like, well, exactly. let me get a second degree in clinical mental health. Um, because at <laughs> this time, like coaching was still like, Ooh, you're a coach. And I, I, yeah. mean, I think that it's still kind of like that today. Everyone's a coach. There's not a lot yeah. of, um, restrictions. And so I just decided to get my second uh, degree in psychology. I'm not going to get licensed though, because I don't believe in the red tape of being licensed personally. And I right. like to really work with high performers and businesses, yeah. Um, but I just, I just want to be the best person I can be. You know, we live in a world that, that is becoming so much more self-absorbed. It's always been self-absorbed, but I would say it's yeah. becoming chronically self-centered. And I just want to spread unconditional love and encourage people. Like if I can forgive my brother who tried killing me literally um, <laughs> most of my life, then like you can forgive your boss who's not giving you the work you want. Right. Like, it's just there's so much freedom and so much beauty about life. And I just want to encourage people to, you know, take yeah. control of their lives and their mind. I was thinking that, yeah, my brother tried to kill me a few times, but not like your brother tried to kill you. So, I mean, maybe we should change our how we say things. Yeah. You know, there is a lot of civil sibling rivalry. He was the only boy no. out of four girls. So, you know. I think he, most time he's probably defended himself, but yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. no, my but, brother was actually trying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember our conversation about that, but what is so upsetting to me is that our medical professionals have the knowledge to help us and they don't because of, I don't know, X, Y, Z. And that's so frustrating to me. And then I think they are been in that mode for so long of pleasing somebody else besides taking care of the patient. 
that is automatic and they don't think outside the box to help people. It's, and I find it interesting that people have to go out and get their own degree so that they can <laughs> help themselves. Well, I mean, I mean, I would agree with you. Like if we lived in a perfect world, however, I would disagree that I don't think the medical professionals actually have the skills. I'll tell you, Okay. I mean, I'm an avid learner, love learning. <laughs> I'm certified in cognitive behavior therapy, certified in acceptance behavior, getting certified. So they're in not teaching them this. The amount, so I'm in, I'm in a program currently to get licensed to be like, that's the objective for yeah, everyone yeah. who goes to this, this program. I'm not going to get yeah. licensed. That's just my personal choice because of my clientele and who I work with, uh -huh. but it's not, it doesn't matter if you go to Harvard, it doesn't matter if you go to your state school or a Christian school or whatever, the curriculum is pretty much the same throughout because that's what it has to be. And yeah. I remember my like second year in the program, I looked at a professor and I'm like, because everyone was like, you're so good. How are you so good? I'm like, well, I've been doing this for seven years. Yeah. And I looked at my professors and I'm like, this isn't enough. Like you are yeah. not, we are not preparing people to actually apply the knowledge in therapy. And my professor was just like, oh, I know. We, th the program has, shift has shifted to pass the test to the point now where a lot of colleges, when you're a counselor or a psychologist, uh. by the time you get to internships and practicums, they sometimes have to kick, kick students out yeah. because they aren't good. I mean, the, I mean, you don't learn enough. And this is where you have to find that person who loves <sighs> learning, who loves growing their skills because a medical office, a therapy, their practices and yeah. practices a means someone's a guinea pig. And it yep. also means that you're constantly learning and growing. And, you know, one thing for therapists, I can't really talk about the, the medical profession because it yeah. is slightly different, I'd argue, but therapists, like you can't take a client further than you've gone. Same with a business consultant. Like if you haven't gotten a million dollar oh, yeah. company, it's going to be really hard to teach someone else how to do it. And so, That's so true. and I will tell you that apparently therapists have the highest divorce rate. So, <laughs> you know, we do have high standards, I guess, on effective communication and trust, but you can't force somebody so, and it also comes to a good fit, right? Like one thing that I found out, which is why I'm the type of person who does all the studying myself is if you've never had psychological safety imprinted in your brain by the time you're seven years old, just giving an arbitrary number, but as, as a child, yeah, psychotherapy is not going to work for you. Oh my God, we're all screwed. <laughs> and so for me, like psychological safety is very important with my clients and, and creating psychological safety. But if you've never had that, it's really hard to trust somebody to let somebody mm -hmm. in. And mm -hmm. plus, like, I'll tell you, I mean, there are some clients out there who don't really actually want to do the work. Nobody can make you better but you. All I can do is partner with you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I find that that people yeah. that I talk to, they just want the magic, the magic word or the magic pill or the magic drink. And I'm sorry, but... Everything goes back to the basics. You have to do the work every day. When you learn to play the piano, you have to practice every day. If you're going to be good, yes. you have to do it on a regular basis. And if you do it wrong, you just keep doing it until you get it down. Yeah. And I mean, yes, those magic stuff helps, you know, if it does work. But I'm sorry. You just have to do the work. You do. You do. And yeah. one thing about doing the work, like if you just need a quick skill, 
I'll tell you, learn how to practice radical acceptance, which ultimately means like learn how to be open to experiences as they are with your thoughts, with your feelings, with your sensations, not trying to change it, not trying to judge it, just observe it and then figure out what's really in your control and keep your focus on what you can control. So many people are so focused on what they can't control, which is producing a lot of stress, anxiety and depression. When if you can learn that life is mainly a gray color. There's not always going to be a reason to why things happen, which humans can't stand, right? Which is why we have to have that acceptance. And then learning to keep your focus on what you can control, as well as learning how to be present-minded, learning how to live in the present moment. Just learning those pillars, your life can change. Yeah. Yeah. And and so a few years ago, um, I went through a really bad depression and I had a falling out with my middle son. And he he had... um, distance himself from me, our family. He said he wasn't going to talk to us or have anything to do with this. And that just totally bulldozed me, you know, and I, and I'm the type of person if something, someone has a problem with me. I'm like, I can't even do anything else until we get this out in the open. Right. And and talk about it. And, you know, what can I do to fix this? So I I was like, I don't know what to do. So I started focusing, well, I can't control that situation. It's out of my hands. So I started working on other things that I needed to work on that I had been avoiding for a long time. Mm. So, um, and, and things are better now, you know, like we're, you know, talking and everything. So, and we see each other, but I mean, it's not a hundred percent, but it's getting better. I just, I mean, I totally get wanting to work on something that's out of my control. I mean, that's like the one thing that we focus on. And so um, I just, um, I mean, and that's what I have been preaching about for the last two years on my podcast and everything is what can you, what do you have control of today? What can you start working on today? You know, Yes, I know this big thing is out here and is bugging you, but you can't do anything about it now. But what can you do today to make things better? Exactly. So. Exactly. And I apologize. Uh, my, I was yelling at my dog. <laughs> um, the other the other thing that I, I like to encourage people to, to bring on to that, too, is can you do one percent better today than you did yesterday? Because one percent yeah. is so obtainable, so obtainable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And one percent every day is 365%. And you know what, even if you can't do 1% better every day, which it's always possible, because sometimes it's changing your perspective. Like the other day was a frazzling, like it was just a frazzle day for me. And like, I didn't get done my agenda. And I was like, man, Uh today wasn't productive. Uh And then I had to like, pause myself and say like, well, I signed three clients, I gave them their contracts. Um, you know, I'm growing my business. How is that not productive? But we have such a narrow scope of how we define things sometimes based (laughs) off of our expectations that we set ourselves up for failure so much when it's like, A, if you're not going to like fret about this on your deathbed, like just get over yourself for a second, right? Like let's put it in perspective, but B, like really challenge yourself to have expansive and curious thinking because that's how we can grow And, you know, I believe every day is a gift. And so how can you help change your psychology to do that, to to really see the things that maybe you're missing because you're so focused on negativity versus 
doing your best right. to be like, you know what, I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to really put that intentional effort to become that. Yeah. Well, how do you put yourself in that position to, to be open to new things when you don't, um, you know, like I work from home. And so I don't even like, I don't even go to the grocery store anymore. I go, I order it and I pick it up. So right. how would I open myself up to new things when, I mean, do you have to like be out of your house or, I mean, or is it just some people you talk to and run into? I mean, how would someone do that? That's a great question. Um, I think first to kind of go back a few steps is what are your values? Because your mm -hmm. values are going to be your moral compass at the end of the day. Your yep. values also help you uphold your boundaries, identify your boundaries. Values are really important. I think we've mm -hmm. kind of like over minimize them in the media world or whatever, but your values are really important. And so I think once you get clear on your values, then you can make um, decisions. Like for me, shockingly, I love learning. I love growth. Yeah. And so yeah. years ago, one thing that I decided um, to do was each week I was going to do one thing that took me out of my comfort zone. And so I'm like, sometimes that can be really silly, like going to a grocery store that I'm not really familiar with or in a different county, right? Like you don't have to overcomplicate it, but, yeah. but what are things that you would see interesting that would meet your needs that can even fall under self-care, but also starts to grow you because life is uncomfortable. So the sooner you can normalize being uncomfortable, be being comfortable, being uncomfortable, I think yeah. you can also do so much more. I mean, you got to remember that school creates perfectionistic thinking, right? Yeah. Meaning, you know, like it just tells us to, and perfectionists, those who struggle with perfectionism can't stand being uncomfortable. They also can't stand failing. And so yeah. everything you want is on the other side of fear. So then yeah. how can you normalize everything you dislike so that yeah. you can really start to cultivate the life you want? Right, right. That's so true because I'm thinking here, my sister lives, my, the one sister I'm closest to lives a completely different kind of lifestyle that I live. So whenever we spend time together, there's lots of times I'm extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> we go to places, you know, but I enjoy it. Like we, where we go, I enjoy it. And I've, I've learned so much about it. And I've also learned that there's things, like you said, I, I knew what, my values are there are things like okay i know i don't want to do that ever again but you know this other thing that we did was wonderful i learned a lot you know so um i that is such a smart thing to to do and but how would i put that into play with you know someone who is suffering from you know like depression or anxiety you know, because a lot of times that will lock you into place and you can't or freeze you. You know, there are times I've been frozen and I'm like, I, I can't, I have to do this important thing, but I can't even get up to go do it. You know, yeah. I mean, what do I knock myself in the head and say, snap out of it? You know, <laughs> well, I will say there does come to a point once you get a little bit more on top of your anxiety and depression where that is 100% yes. going to play. And anxiety yeah. and depression are such large umbrellas that they I find are. it a little bit more difficult to speak on them so so gen generically because it, it, it's so easy to just because you can only talk about one thread at a time, right? Yeah, I so, know, and I always lump them together because I deal with both of them. Well, typically, and, if you have depression, you have anxiety. They're they're yeah. typically going to connect, but sometimes yeah. people have depression and they're really just sad, and so they'll put it under yeah. the depression umbrella when it's like. 
it's there, but it's not there. I mean, big picture, because I've I've struggled with some of the same things throughout my my life. I mean, okay. I had complex PTSD. So sound <laughs> we were talking about was a trigger for me for a long time. Yeah. Um, so for me, I think like a engineer, I like to understand how things work before I can really like buy into the process. Okay. So I spent so many years studying anxiety and anxiety is really where your mind projects into the future, what you do not want to see. So it's very pessimistic. Yeah. Whereas just to, to um, compare it, faith is what you project into the future, what you do want to see. There yes. is no substance. Neither yeah. one has happened yet. And we know that there's huge power in optimism and we know that there's tremendous limitation in pessimism. We right. also know we only exist right here, right now. And yeah. so I've worked with a lot of um, professional athletes. If you're on a, if you've ever played sports, even if you're on the court or on the field and you're yeah. thinking about what you need to do five minutes from now, you're missing yeah. all of the opportunities and the plays to make right now successful, to help you be more successful in five minutes. So it's oh, really learning awesome. to shift your focus from living in the future, because typically yep. when we're struggling with anxiety or depression, we're like past or future present, or I mean, oh, future yeah. oriented. we're not present oriented. Yeah. And so one thing that I encourage people to do is start to learn your thinking traps, your automatic negative ways of thinking. We all struggle with them. You yes. got to learn them so you can get ahead yes. of it because our thoughts are 95% the same every single day. And so the same thoughts are coming. <laughs> so at some point, get ahead of it. At some point, know <laughs> yeah. the anxiety is coming. At some point, know that, right? Uh -huh. And then um, grow your present moment focus. Like, what could you do right now? Some of this is learning how to challenge those thoughts. Like, yeah. what are you afraid of? Well, what if, what's best case scenario? You've, you've identified worst case scenario, scenario through catastrophizing. What's best case? And then maybe what's in the middle? And then the other wow, Elizabeth. Comes, do you feel safe? Like, this is where I encourage people, like, get a spiritual source. Like, if you don't believe in God, find something that's bigger than you because uh -huh. you're not in control of your life to the way you want to be in control of your life. So, right. like, you know, just accept that, move on, right? Um, <laughs> and lean on that. Like, I, yeah. I used to be, I, my brother shot at me, put knives on my throat, drowned me, like, truly um, hurt me mentally, yeah. at least, I, I would argue. And so when I first got a male client face-to-face, -face, I was nervous. Because I was uh -huh. like, you could hurt me. Yeah. And I would have to sit there and remind myself like I'm safe. The likelihood of him hurting me is low, right? That was a yeah. that was one experience. Yeah. And then just kind of start to normalize this newness, which which requires self-confidence, requires yes. boldness, but it also requires reminding yourself that you're safe because I think sometimes you have to relearn yourself, especially after you've had a lot of traumatic experiences. Mm -hmm. it's, we learn, we only know ourselves as kids, right? And then we kind of carry yes. that system into adulthood <laughs> when it's like date yourself. Like, are you hurting yourself by holding how you see yourself in the past to the, to the future? Does that make sense? Yeah. And start to say like, who am I today? Like if someone like, do you mind me putting you on the spot? Because I, I definitely want to keep you psychological. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. So when you're thinking about leaving, like what are your thoughts of anxiety and depression that come, if I may? What are my thoughts? My thoughts are, are oh my God. Um, first of all, I think, do I have all my clothes on? Because I am so afraid that I'm going to leave and I'm going to be naked somewhere, you know, <laughs> I have that same thought sometimes. So I laugh because I'm like, man, no one's ever said that to me. And I have that same thought sometimes. <laughs> and then sometimes I'm like, are all my clothes off before I get in the shower? I don't know if you have that one too, but just sure. 
Yeah, so I think, do I have all my clothes on before I leave the house? <laughs> Which is crazy because I always get dressed, you know. Right. And and some other things. Um, so going out in public, my biggest fear is somebody is going to freaking touch me. And or I'm going to feel like I'm in the middle of a crowd and there's people in front of me, beside me and behind me and they're touching me and I can't move. So that's my biggest fear with with um, groups, you know, and going out in public. OK, OK. So, <clears throat> so it sounds like we got some claustrophobia going on for you as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for, for the first one, we'll go kind of in that list. Um, I, I would argue that's probably going to be the easier one, right? Because you can literally <laughs> yeah. look in front of a mirror and say, OK, I have all of my um, clothes on. Clothes on. But also, no, that's a thought you're going to have. Like yeah. this, this sounds, I've never really shared it with anyone, but this sounds um, per, perhaps slightly as crazy. Um, I don't have kids, but I have a puppy yeah. dog. He's 12. That's yeah. like my, my child. And yes. I, over the years, I've learned that sometimes I leave my house and I'm petrified that my house is going to catch on fire and like, I'm going to lose him. Now I lost most of my family by the time I was 15 years old. Death was a yeah. very large threat in my life. And right. so I know that some of that is due to that just, constantly having, having a death. loss nowadays yeah. we have ring cameras so i can like check in with him and make sure everything is okay <laughs> but I, I have to reassure myself and say hey liz that's a thought you're constantly having this is a this is a very automatic yes. thought for you and yes. sometimes i'll go home just because some days it's just let me just check let yes. me just make sure right and, and yes. we have to do things within our our, our scope of, of comfort and coping and mm -hmm. we're not always going to have those perfect days If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so that it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, it's A-N-C-H-O-R.fm to get started. Yes. Um, so when, so when my oldest was, he just turned four, they wanted, he went to preschool and the bus came by to pick him up mm. every day. I was like, dear God, please keep your hand on my child because that bus is going to wreck somewhere, right? <laughs> you know, and, and it was and it was like, I feel like I was being choked. Like, I didn't even want to want him to leave. I didn't want him to leave the house. Right. You know, but he had to go. Right. You know. Right. So I, I, I just had, and I didn't even know what to do about that because I, he was, he was my oldest. He was four and here he was leaving. And I think maybe more, he might've been, I was more of afraid of the bus wrecking because, um, because he wasn't like my 
toddler anymore. He wasn't my baby anymore. You know, he was growing up and he was learning new things. And, and then all the things that I was afraid of, I was afraid of for him. Like, is he going to get made fun of? You know, does he have all his clothes on him? You know, I make sure he's, you know, he's dressed, but it was like some of those same things I was experiencing. I was pushing it off onto him too. So I'm like, so easy. I mean, if you really listen yeah. to people, we're typically projecting more times than not um, in yeah. today's culture. And, mm. it, and it's kind of also identifying these concerns, right? Like, yeah. okay. It sounds like you're spiritual yourself. Um, so for me, if my house catches on fire, well, I got a neighbor, I got neighbors. Hopefully my mm -hmm. dog will come out. If not, mm -hmm. then the question becomes, how would I deal with that? Yeah. And same to you, right? Like, like mm -hmm. um, kind of going to your next one of, of not wanting to be touched. Well, that's a boundary mm -hmm. that you can very easily implement, right? Mm -hmm. I first, I, and I think in probably post-COVID world, it's almost easier to, <laughs> to implement that, but it is changing a little again. Um, but if someone now I just start coughing, fake coughing. <laughs> if someone did touch you, what's something that you could say to uphold your boundary? Well, first of all, I, I looked to see if it was accidental, you know, and if it was like, you know, they didn't mean to, I just move over, you know, I just start, I just go on. Um, but there have been times when it's not been accidental and I'm like someone did this at work. They came up behind me and they were, had all good intentions and they kind of gave me like a half hug on my shoulders. And I said, um, please, please don't do that again. You know, unless you ask and they apologize. They're like, I'm so sorry, you know? And um, so I just, at that point had gotten, I knew what I could accept and what I couldn't accept you know? Mm -hmm. And so, and, and now people will ask, mm -hmm. you know, and I've been practicing it now. So like with family members, it's, it's natural. I just will give hugs and take hugs, you know, because I've been working on it for so much, but you know, it's, but when it's someone I don't know, you know, then it's, that's when I make sure I put my boundaries in place mm -hmm. and, you know, so <laughs> And, and that's part of it, right? Is knowing your boundaries and like, look yeah. how you talk through it. Like, look at how you have the control there yeah. and look at how you're trusting your effort and your, it sounds like you're comfortable also speaking up. And yeah. so you have the skills mm -hmm. to kind of, I, I tell my clients, like kind of see all your fears and anxieties as like a gremlin trying to invade your space. Because <laughs> you have to, you have to almost take it out of you because so many people are like, I'm afraid, I'm scared. Well, realistically, you were taught that. And this is where neuroplasticity yeah. works against you versus for you, right? right? And so if that gremlin says like, oh, if you go out, someone's going to touch you, then you can say, hey, bud, I have my system. I have my values. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. tell them I'd appreciate if you didn't touch me and next time ask. And yeah. if they continue to do it, guess what? You're a grown woman. Leave. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and I think that like for... Um, like people in my mom's generation and my grandparents' generation, they will just accept the fact, well, that's just the way they are. Well, okay, but they don't have to stay that way, right? They don't have to be mean. 
you know, or grouchy. Right, the focus is different, right? Like you can't control anybody. Like, like, like yeah. kind of where you're going with this, it sounds like almost you're mad at your, your neighbor for how they're doing their lawn. That's, that's their lot. How they want to do their lot is their darn choice, right? Yeah. It's no point being like, well, they should change. Uh-uh, uh-uh. You change. You yeah. have control to change. You have control yeah. to say, I don't want to be around you. This isn't a healthy relationship because you're not respecting my boundaries. Right. You also have the opportunity to grow and stretch yourself and start to normalize being touched if that's important to you. This is yeah. where you have to, again, leverage what do you care about? Like yeah. sometimes I think it's so easy in like, at least I'm learning what I think I want isn't always mm -hmm. what I want. And I don't know what I want. <laughs> right. And so I think sometimes we have to realize like, what's really in my control about this? What do I want to do about this? What am I willing to do about this? And do I really care? Like for yeah. a period there, I was like, I want more friends. And then I was like, oh gosh, this is exhausting. I'm good with what friends that I have, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't have that much time or I'm just kind of more of a loner. I, I like to just, I'm very autonomous. I think if I have one good friend, I'm doing good, you know? Right, right. And then I have a couple of semi-good friends, you know? <laughs> so I'm... Yeah, I agree with you. It's exhausting, you know. <laughs> yeah, it is. But we need connection. And so like, like, some of this is stretching yourself to be the best person you can be because you can't change anybody else. Yeah. And the second you try to change someone else, get yeah. over yourself. <laughs> For real. That happened with my first husband. I was like, he can do this. I know he can. <laughs> he didn't want to. <laughs> oh, and that's, oh, look, I'm going through a divorce myself. Like, you got to be willing. And you can't yeah. help anybody who doesn't want help, which is why yeah. it's, you know, we live in such a world where people are hurting and yeah. there's a lot of biases. Like one thing that I'm, I'm learning and I wish more and more people would realize this very rarely does it have anything to do with you. Like what other people are doing. People are so self-centered. Yes. So self, I mean, typically people fall into yeah. one or two bu buckets, They're either self-centered or other centered. Either oh. one is detrimental to a degree. There needs to be a, a, you need gray, right? And it's like the Venn diagram. We need to be in the middle. Yeah. And so if you want to be more of a humble person, if you want to have less anxiety, less depression, focus on other people, not yourself so much. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a little part of it. That's not all of it by any means. Yeah. Um, but also like start counting your blessings. You know, one thing that, that can give you hope with, with anxiety and depression is optimism is learned. Pessimism is mm -hmm. learned. Yeah. So if you don't like your situation, what are you willing to do about it? And it's the compound effect. Can you do a little bit each day? And, and some days, because we were kind of talking about days where it's like hard to get out of bed or hard to like get out mm -hmm. of the house. Yeah. You know what? Don't beat yourself up on those days. Instead of saying, mm -hmm. I did nothing today, say, I prioritize self-care. You prioritize mm -hmm. what you needed to do. Look, I have days. I'm very bold and outspoken. So I'm very comfortable with confrontation, <laughs> very comfortable with it. And so there are days where I put myself in timeout because I'm like, it's, it's just not a good day for me to be out in, in humanity. Nobody needs to hear me today. Nobody needs to, because I'm just, I'm irritable. I'm frustrated. The best thing for everybody is for me to just put myself in timeout and stay home. And I do that. And to me, that's discipline. To me, that's saying, this is what I need. I need to be alone yeah. and I need to take care of myself because yeah. it, it sh I'm, I don't want to create. We need to do that more often, right? And and sometimes, like if you're happy, because I've I've I had um chronic fatigue syndrome pretty bad a few years ago, where just getting out of the bed was woof. Oh my gosh, it was so difficult. Yeah. Yes, and I have clients who have really severe depression, where getting out of the bed is difficult. Well, if you 
can just get out of the bed and get to a shower and then you get back on the bed or back on the couch. Mm -hmm. Great. Mm -hmm. Great. Do, yeah. do what you can do. Right. Yeah. The, the importance is do your best to, to kind of change or like um, break that thinking or kind of get distance from that thinking the best. Yes. You can, even if it's for like, Five seconds. I mean, yeah. um, there's a lot of things you can do to retrain your limbic system. And typically when we're struggling with anxiety and depression, there's a little bit of a limbic, a limbic impairment. Right. And so um, I should have died from an eating disorder years ago. And over the years, I've worked on my eating disorder. I don't struggle with it anymore. Some days I have body dysmorphia. But as I was mm -hmm. um, walking out of it, it sounds so stupid. But I didn't want a stomach. I was like, no, let me just be like, you know, head, boobs, spine, weight, like <laughs> hips and legs. I didn't want a stomach, right? Like that was my phobia was a stomach. And I would just um, expose myself to it and like say, it, it's okay. Or I don't know if you've ever like put on a bra and it was like suffocating you and you're like, oh my God, I don't like this. I just want to take it off. There would be Girl, days. look at me. I mean, I don't ever want to wear one. These things are ginormous. <laughs> want to share? I don't really need to wear a bra. I'm at that point, okay? Since we're sharing, I don't like that's a bra is pretty optional for me. I, I know what it feels like to feel like I'm being choked to death from the chest. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, well, you know, yeah, I'm waiting for puberty. Let's just say that. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but I would tell myself, hey, brain, you're sending me false information. I'm comfortable. And not to gaslight yeah. yourself. Right. But yeah. it's amazing how we our brain will focus on whatever we put our attention to. Whatever we focus yeah. on expands and whatever you're looking at is where you'll go. And so yeah. I wanted to be comfortable in clothes. I wanted to feel right. good about myself. And so I would change the narration and yeah. I would talk back to my brain. Now I understand the neuroscience of the brain. So it'd be easy for me to kind of identify where things were going out of whack because I specialize in neuropsychotherapy. Yeah. And I would just have conversations with myself. And I yeah. would just change the patterns. You know, some days it's snapping, it's especially when you feel unsafe. How can you remind yourself, hey, I'm actually safe? Yeah. I mean, I'm if you're actually place. unsafe, like call the cops. Yeah. You know, we pay their salary. Call them. Yeah. So there's lots of things that we can do to kind of shift our focus. The thing mm -hmm. that we don't want to do is continue feeding the monster. You know, there's like a mindfulness exercise, and it pretty much talks about how there's two wolves. There's a good wolf and there's a bad wolf inside of us. Okay. And which one are you going to feed? Are you going to feed the one that says, hey, you're depressed. Hey, life sucks. Hey, this is, he's just going to feed the pessimism. Or are you going to feed the optimism? Because a, a glass with, um, you know, and we'll just say an eight, eight ounce glass with four ounces of, of liquid in it is going to be full to some people and it's going to be empty to others. Yeah. That's What's true. the perspective you want to have? Yep. That. I mean, that is so interesting. And with that, it's making yourself be intentional. But I realized when I was first um, trying to get, you know, work on things and get better, that it wasn't easy for me to be intentional. Mm -mm. That's it, it was, yeah. And so I had to keep practicing it. And there, then I would go, you know, times where everything was great. And then something would happen and then I would have to go back to the basics and start over again. Yeah. Know, it's like I kind of forgot and slid back into my old ways, but, but yeah, it's something you have to keep working on. Oh, you, and you have, you, you said it right there. It's being intentional. And mm -hmm. I have days where I call it falling off the horse. Yeah. And my objective now is how can I get back on that horse quicker? And if I shave off a second, 
I was successful. If I shave off a minute, mm -hmm. hell yeah, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other thing for me, um, and this is something I, I, I just declared it this year, and the first day I declared it, I failed, okay? So I'm just, <laughs> just going to be honest. Um, but my faith is very important to me, and um, uh -huh. I just told myself, like, I'm not going to leave God's umbrella. And what I mean by that is I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold on to peace. Yeah. The second I start to feel stressed, I know yeah. I've left peace. And yep. so that means I need to turn back and go back to, to peace because yeah. America, our culture is obsessed with success and materialism. And we forget that some of the successful companies, successful individuals, not all, they're mm -hmm. fairly corrupt. They're yeah. fairly evil. We also forget that a lot of financial and business success does fall into luck. It's hard to measure because it is mm -hmm. so, you know, kind of intangible, I would argue. And how do you even yeah. measure it in the first, there's no control piece you could bring in, but right. you know, what's more important to you is to live a, a, a peaceful life where you're present or to always be stressed out because, you know, I got some high performer clients and I'm like, until you choose to change the way you're showing up to life or even quit yeah. that job, dare I say, I yeah. can't help you, but congratulations, you are killing yourself. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the sicknesses that we have in the world that fall under the stress response syndrome is amazing. And we found that I think 80% of visits to the, our PCP is stress related. We've, yeah. we've discovered that um, I think 98 to 75% of all mental and physical illnesses are due to our thoughts. That means only two to 15% is due to genetics and the environment. And still we're learning so much about epigenetics and how we think does change our DNA and zips our DNA. Mm -hmm. And so there's more in your control. Like be mindful of the shows you watch. Um, yep. Like I, um, I, I don't, do you watch Yellowstone? Okay. So I just started watching that. I stopped personally because it was too, um, it was too evil for me. Um, well, I did. I watched the first three seasons. So I started, I, I don't, yeah. I, I watched it cause I was like, everyone's about it. So let me watch it. But for me, I started noticing that I had more suicidal thoughts from watching that show because one or two of the seasons talks a lot about suicide. Yeah. And I was like, Whoa, I'm not a suicidal that, person. And so yeah, that family is that, definitely has a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> and we 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 are obsessed with it. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's amazing what you can do if you remove the news out of your life, if you remove violent TV shows out of your life, and mm -hmm. you don't have to necessarily do it for the rest of your life, but just to a point until you are in control of your mind instead mm -hmm. of your mind controlling you. So mm -hmm. if you struggle yeah. with anxiety, if you struggle because ultimately it falls into a fear category, then do a, be more intentional of what you watch. Be more intentional what you expose yourself to. <clears throat> That is such profound um, statement, even though it's so simple, because I know people who struggle with drug addiction. And I just I told one of them, I said, I'm sorry, but you have to get whole new friends. Yes. Everything you a new city, whatever it takes for you to get out of that situation, because they tend to go back to their friends. Oh, yeah. You know, if they've been incarcerated, they come out, they just go back to their old lifestyle and it just happens again. They get back into drugs and then they get incarcerated yeah. again. 
and environmental yeah. triggers we can't fully control. And so yeah. that's why they tell us, they tell um, those who are trying to rebuild their life from addictions to mm -hmm. completely change their space, their friends and, and their environment, because mm -hmm. you reduce environmental triggers. And they, mm -hmm. the, our brain is so amazing, but it's a little <laughs> bit of a curse too, because we can't control all aspects. Like I'll tell yeah. some of my mentors, they're like, why are you nervous right now? And I'm like, environmental trigger that I haven't figured out yet is causing me to be anxious right now. I'm working on it. That's all I can tell you. Because your, your amygdala will pick it up in a nanosecond. Yeah. And so you're fighting against some of the biology of our brain that we don't have complete control over. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But what we're learning in the neuroscience field is if you can granularly um, label what you're feeling at a granular level, it's actually yeah. and not in a judgmental aspect, but just in a like, right. oh, I'm anxious because of this. Yeah. Let's identify maybe some reasons. And then that can help you kind of get control and kind of distance yeah. yourself from it because it's like, it's all right. You're safe. Yeah this person's not going to hurt you. You're okay. Right. You're just out of your comfort zone. Or maybe right. you saw something that triggered you, but you got to do a, you've got to be intentional with trying to figure some of this stuff out. Oh my Lord. Elizabeth, we could be here all day talking about this. This is such good stuff. It is. <laughs> and you, you explain it in such, um, and, and where I can understand it, you know, and, apply it to my life or I have, you know, I can pick out an instance like, Oh yeah, I, I've done, you know, I need to do that more with this when this happens. Right. So, um, so I know you have this thinking trap quiz. So how is that? Um, how would that help someone? I mean, does that just help them recognize, Oh, you're uh, being stuck in this, in this, time and space or so thinking traps or cognitive distortions are a large part of cognitive behavior therapy which is believes that our we go the direction of our thoughts to so start to grow mm -hmm. awareness of your thoughts because you can shift that and there's mm -hmm. three levels of thinking that cognitive behavior th therapy says we have first we have automatic thoughts which are those thinking traps they're quick very quick mm -hmm. thoughts that are just going to come like i shouldn't do that or this is not cool or if only i had this and mm -hmm. so, um, and then there's intermediate and then there's the core beliefs. And really what you're trying to get to is your core beliefs. And yeah. so going with the theme of 95% of our thoughts are the same and one to 99% of our thoughts can be negative. Like geez, help <laughs> some of the people in the 99 percentile. Um, my belief is get ahead of it. And so um, CBT has identified 17 of the most common thinking traps that humans struggle with. And so I've created a quiz that assesses you to score you in each of the 17 Um cognitive okay. distortions or thinking traps and in, in comes with a PDF to explain what each one is. Mm -hmm. And it just helps you educate yourself because you cannot change until you're aware. So part yes. of this is building your awareness skills for you mm -hmm. to start to pay attention. And then from there, you want to leverage mindful thinking. And I have a course right now called Mindset Mastery that teaches you all of the staples you're going to need to start to master your mindset. Like, where are you going? Like, what are you talking about to yourself? Mm -hmm. What are your ideals? What are your values? Do mm -hmm. you know how to practice acceptance? Are you practicing it? And it teaches mm -hmm. you all of these aspects for you to start to take control over your life. Because a lot mm -hmm. of times people are like, I'm ready to build the second story of my mindset. And I'm like, great. You don't even have the freaking foundation finished. So how are you going to build that second story when the foundation and the first story aren't even there yet? 
and these are they want to do the fun too. stuff first <laughs> right well they usually just want the magical pill right they just want oh, that too it, right? and well, they're, they're modular home. ready <laughs> to be successful or ready to have a winning mindset or ready to increase their optimism like you yeah. know if you met me 10 years ago i was a very different person than i am today this has right. been 10 years of intentional work because yeah. i was done with the drinking, with the negativity, with the medicate, coping through medicine and crap like yeah. that, I wanted yeah. to thrive and not survive. And so yeah. I decided to, 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 to shift my life to be that way. Right. And you're not going to stumble upon it. It takes intentional work. And here's the thing. If you're really good at being pessimistic, then you can be extraordinary at being optimistic because it's the same darn thing. Oh my God. In a different life. <laughs> I never thought of it like that. I'm like, yeah, I'm really good at being negative. <laughs> so if you're good at, well, and, and negativity is powerful. And so what we're learning, the ratio is for every one negative thought, find three to five positives. Yeah. Yep. I learned that concept um, in, it was some writing class that I took for every one negative thing that you have to say, you need to say three to five things to counteract it, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, but so I just think people just get lazy and they just throw out the negative and be like, thank you. Bye. <laughs> you know? I would agree. I mean, um, God, six, six or eight years ago, I looked at my then husband and I said, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to be negative anymore. And so I removed negative speaking from my communication. Mm -hmm. And I told him anytime I speak negative, call me out on it. Because I just imagined, mm -hmm. you know, what if everything we said was a seed and it grew a crop? Well, mm -hmm. are you producing crops that actually give you fruit or are you just growing weeds? I don't want weeds and I don't want to live right. on the rabbits. There's no nutritional right. value, right? right? And so what if you just stopped talking about what you didn't like in life? What if you stopped venting? What if you yeah. shut down your friends who are venting? Because when people vent, yeah. you're not just destroying your brain, but you're destroying the brain of the listeners as well. Right. Negativity can cause irreparable damage to the brain. No, thank you. Yeah. I love myself so much that yeah. I'm not going to do that to my vessel. I'm just not. And so you, that's my boundary. My clients have the same boundary. You can tell me what you don't like about life for like three minutes and then I'm shutting uh -huh. you down. Because yeah. you know it. It's instinctual for us humans to be like, ooh, I don't like that. But looking for what you do like, looking for what you're grateful for, that's harder. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's people who don't know what they look like. There's people who have eyesight and don't even know what they look like because they were burned so badly as babies that their body's been disfigured. Be grateful that you know what you look like. Yeah, Be for grateful sure. that, you know, if you're in America, you're doing better than most of the world is. If you're spending uh, $2 a day, you're doing better than majority of the world. Mm-hmm. Be more realistic and and, mm -hmm. and be mindful that materialism is never going to make you happy. If you're waiting for your external environment to change for you to be happy, you will always be at the mercy of things mm -hmm. outside of your control. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because no matter where you go, it's the environment is, to me, it's the same. You know, no matter where you are, it's how I look at it and how I perceive it and how I handle what comes into me that makes it different. Yeah. You know, yeah, I I love this conversation. I really do. So how can we find you, Elizabeth, if we need to um, change our pessimistic thinking to positive thinking? 
Yeah, well, you can go to my website, Elizabeth Lewis, L-O-U-I-S.com. Um, and I'm very popular on LinkedIn and Instagram and I have a YouTube channel and a podcast. I mean, I got <laughs> I got it all covered. So just uh, I know I keep thinking I was like, um, I was looking over my stuff where I put things out on social media. I thought, am I on Tumblr? So I went out there and I was like, oh, yeah, I've been posting the Tumblr for a long time now. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> anyway, but I'm so glad we've had this opportunity to talk and I hope that we can meet up again in the future. And I mean, I, I enjoy kidding around with you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so I would love that. It's been so much fun. I would absolutely love that. Well, thank you, Elizabeth. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed my show, Motherhood Unfiltered, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And be sure to come back next week for another episode of Motherhood Unfiltered. Until then, this is Nikki, the host of Motherhood Unfiltered. And don't forget, it's going to be okay. <laughs>